There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Week 10 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. It's November, guys. Seasons are heating up. The NFL is in double-digit weeks now, week number 10. College basketball officially kicking off this week. College football and the college football playoff standings and everything else. You got the NHL and NBA getting into full swing now. Plenty of action for you to get your hands on at my bookie. Remember, guys, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. They are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have some of the best reviews online, and their mobile site is so easy to use. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way over to my bookie. You win, and they pay. They have in-game live betting, the over-unders on fantasy points, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And from the way that this uh, Steeler-Panther game is getting uh, heated up here in the first quarter, you want to get in on some of those in-game live bets right now. So join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. And if you make the deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, you get an additional $25 in free play on deposits over $100 if you use the promo code BEARS25 to activate the offer. So visit MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code BEARS25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play and get that extra $25 if you do your deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern. So it's up to you guys, but free money always sounds good to me. It'll definitely keep you warm in these cool temperatures. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. This week on the Bears Talk Underground, that portion of the schedule that stuck out like a sore thumb back when the schedule was released in April is finally upon us. As our beloved begin an NFC North stretch where they play three division opponents in just 11 days. First up, the Detroit Lions. Will the Lions continue to roar in this series, or will they be reduced to the Motor City Kitties? Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit joins us on the Week 10 preview episode of The Bears Talk Underground. We've been waiting on it, and it is finally here. This is that section of the of the schedule, like I said in the intro, it stuck out like a sore thumb because it's three division games back to back to back and in an extremely short period of time, 11 days starting on Sunday when the Bears and the Lions hit Soldier Field. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week 10 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground and our good friend, one of my favorite guests, Jeremy Reisman going to be joining us here in just a few minutes to help us preview this game. And, um, you know, I I love having Jeremy on. We always have a good time when we talk. And, um, you know, he and I both agree this is one of the best rivalries or I think this is the best rivalry in the NFC North as far as competitiveness and the back and forth and, and, uh, you know, and what have you. That's what you expect when you hear the word rivalry. You know, unfortunately, it's been a very one sided rivalry with the Packers, you know, for way longer than I would care to admit out loud. 
But, you know, and, and, and actually it's kind of been one-sided with the Lions uh, lately. One and nine in our last five seasons. But every single one of those games was in doubt pretty much right up to the last minute. And that's what you look for in a rivalry, an actual game where it's competitive and down to the wire and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, that's why, you know, I, I hated losing the Lions. For those of you who've been with me uh, for a while, you know, especially when Schwartz was the head coach of the Detroit Lions, there was nothing more that I in life that I hated than losing to the Lions. And nothing upset me more during an NFL season was watching the Bears lose to the Lions when Jim Schwartz was the head coach. That guy was a grade A douchebag. I hated that guy. And uh, there was nothing about him that I liked as a head coach. He is a brilliant defensive coordinator and in the role where he deserves, to, where he needs to be uh, right now. He's defensive coordinator for the Eagles still, I believe. But, uh, you know, won a Super Bowl ring with them last year and, and, and all the rest of that. He's where he needs to be. Leading a football team, lousy across the board. So, um, yeah, those were those were dark times when the Bears would lose while Jim Schwartz was the head coach. So, you know, my, my hatred of the Lions has lessened over the last few years with uh, with Jim Caldwell as the head coach and now with Matt Patricia. The, 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 the heat isn't as intense uh, as it once was. But, um, you know, because these games are so hotly contested, they're the ones that you want. And, and for the Bears in the position that they're in, these are the games that you have to win. Because you have to start winning the games against your division. We, we went 0-6 against the division last year, guys. We didn't win a single division game against the NFC North last year. We are the defending AFC North champions because we were perfect 4-0 against those guys. But 1-11 in, uh, in the NFC, and that one victory came against the Panthers. So no victories against Green Bay, none against Detroit, none against Minnesota. It's been a lopsided thing since John Fox came to town. Now that Matt Nagy's in there, the Bears are playing better football. We've got better personnel on the team, and we're in first place right now. People are talking about us making the playoffs, and if we want to do that, we have to win these games. We have to win the next three. Do we have to win them all, theoretically? No. Should we? Absolutely. we got Minnesota coming to town next week, and the Vikings, as we all know, traditionally don't play well in Chicago. It's usually a home-and-home home series where the home team always wins uh, kind of thing. So hopefully that is a pattern that will stick to itself uh, next Sunday when the Bears and the Vikings get together. But for now, let's stick to the Lions. Uh, you know, it's just I'm, these are the games we have to win. The games that we could not win a year ago, we're starting to win now. We've been in every single game, and I think that, you know, we're, we've had the lead going into the second half in every single game. Uh, thus far that is tremendous progress we're five and three whereas a year ago we were an optimistic three and five and then we went down the tubes and so did everything else so you know I, I've saw a, a game by game uh, uh, art, I read an article game by game predictions had the Bears finishing 10 and six with the way that the AFC North or excuse me the NFC North is playing right now you got eight and one and or seven and one and six and two at the top um, you know, it's uh, it could be interesting as to whether or not ten and six will get you in uh, this year. As if it wins, obviously, if it wins us the division, that's great. But Minnesota's playing good football. Who knows what they're going to do down the stretch? Um, they got to see the Bears twice, so at least we can have a say in it. But these are the games that we got to win. We haven't been able to meet Minnesota in Chicago the last couple of years. We got to get that done. We haven't been able to beat Detroit 
well, period, in the last several years, we got to get that done. And then when we get a second bite at Green Bay week 15, we got to get that done as well. So we got to win these division games. Those are the ones that super duper count when it comes to trying to get into the playoffs. So, you know, it's, um, you know, the, the losses that we had against um, Miami and New England, they sucked. Both of them did. But in the in the in the in the, the grand scheme of things, didn't really affect the overall picture all that much. I mean, you got to go through about three or four levels of tiebreakers to get to like common opponents before that becomes a factor. So if, if, if you have to lose games, Green Bay or excuse me, Miami, New England, those are the games that you want to lose because they're they're out of conference games. And, and you know, it doesn't really kind of doesn't really matter. And in, in as far as like, you know, positioning within the NFC, it doesn't matter because everybody's playing a different division. So as far as the AFC is concerned, you don't have common opponents. So it, it really does come down to what you do within your division. That's the, where the Bears have to make their mark, starting with these three games coming up uh, starting on Sunday with the Lions. So let's get into some news and notes uh, before we get to our conversation with Jeremy Reisman. Um, the biggest news coming out of Hallis Hall this week is on the injury front. Now, the first thing is actually not coming out of Hallis Hall, but just uh, an interesting note uh, for the Bears. Uh, turns out Ryan Pace and the Bears made the right call when it came to Cameron Meredith. And I don't mean that in the way that the offense is doing just fine uh, without him. What I mean is they let him go because of uh, concerns about the health of his knee, that devastating knee injury that he suffered in the dress rehearsal game last year against the Titans in the preseason cost him his 2017 season. He was a restricted free agent. Uh, the Saints signed him to an offer sheet because the Bears signed him to the lowest tender they possibly could have. Uh, for an extra million dollars, for $2.9 million, the Bears would have signed him for a second-round tender, meaning anybody that signs him got to give up a second-round pick in order to keep him. The Bears elected not to do that. Cameron Meredith signs with the Saints, goes off a two-year $10 million contract with the Saints. Back in April when, or in March, whenever this happened, I was not a fan of the move. I wanted to have an embarrassment of riches. Uh, you know, I wanted a stark contrast from what we had in 2017, which is where Mitch had no one to throw the football to. I wanted him to not be able to keep track of the guys he'd be able to throw the football to uh, in 2018. And it was only two point nine million dollars that we were talking about. I'm still not a huge fan of the move, but it turns out Ryan Pace was right. Uh, Sean Payton talked about the move. The head coach of the Saints talked about the move, saying that his knee has been swollen pretty much every single week after uh, the games. He hasn't uh, been on the field much since week five, hasn't caught a pass since week five. They signed Des Bryant earlier this week, making Cam Meredith expendable, so they put him on injured reserve ending his season. He's going to have arthroscopic uh, surgery to clean out that knee, and hopefully he'll be 100% to, to go. Uh, in 2019 so it looks like Ryan Pace made the right call as far as the immediate health and his impact on the team in 2018 that you know they let him go uh, you know they didn't match the offer sheet to the Saints so he's off and, and uh, you know on on that team but it looks like you know seven months later eight months later whatever it is that uh, Ryan Pace made the right call a very calculated move but he let Ryan uh, excuse me let Cam Meredith go 
uh, to the Saints because of the injury concerns or the concerns they had with the health of that knee and how far along it was and, and basically the, the immediate impact that he would have on the football team. So just wanted to bring that up real quick. And then as far as the Bears are concerned, the injury news is all good. It is fantastic. Uh, ben Broniker, I know that's the first person you wanted to hear about. Uh, ben Broniker was out last week on concussion protocol. He's been full, full go on Wednesday and Thursday. Taylor Gabriel was nursing a knee injury at the end of the Buffalo game, was limited on Wednesday, full participation today. Uh, Eric Cush has been battling that neck injury, full participation Wednesday and Thursday. That's fantastic news. He was limited, I think, all of last week. Bilal Nichols didn't even travel to Buffalo with a knee injury last week, full participation this week, so he'll be back on the field Sunday. Um, oh, yeah, there's this guy. Is uh, Khalil? Khalil, I think that's how you pronounce it. Mac is his last name. Uh, he's a linebacker, and he has an ankle injury. He's been full participation Wednesday and Thursday. So if he doesn't play on Sunday, I will eat my laptop, okay? He better play against the Lions on Sunday. And Allen Robinson professed to the media today that he is 100%, and he has been full participation on Wednesday and Thursday as well. So the Bears risk of playing the games without two of their best players against the Jets and the uh, Bills the last two weeks has paid off these guys are practicing fully they're not limited like they like they they both in the last two weeks neither one practiced on Wednesday or Thursday was limited on Friday game day decision on Sunday and obviously neither one of them played they are full go from the start this week so very good indication that we will get both of them back on Sunday in this all-important first of three divisional matchups in a very short period of time on the Lions side um some very big names on this list uh, ezekiel ansa with the shoulder injury has been limited so far this week legarrett blunt with a knee injury limited as well carry on johnson who jeremy and i talk about a bit the leading rusher on the team has been limited with an ankle injury tj lang one of their starting offensive guards has been out this week with a with a neck injury. Um, Darius Slay has not practiced yet with a knee injury. And uh, let's see, Luke Wilson, a tight end. Shoulder injury has been limited, and I think that's it as far as the people that I know of. But, uh, you know, Ezekiel Ansat, LeGarrette Blunt, on Johnson, TJ Lang, Darius Slays, those are household names in the Detroit Lion universe. Those are guys that are starters and big contributors the fact that they're banged up could be good news for the beloved uh, come Sunday afternoon. Now, I've been getting some questions about it. This is my last little bit of news before we get to our interview with Jeremy. And uh, ever since I announced it a little while back, maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, on how you can get your hands on an official Bears Talk Underground sticker, well, I have figured out how I'm going to get you monkeys to dance for me. And, and, and earn these stickers, okay? Now, you can earn two. You can earn two. I have 50 stickers to give away. When the 50 are gone, we're done until I can get my hands on some more, all right? Now, you have, you have to, there are two things that you can do to earn one sticker each, okay? Number one, and this doesn't count towards a sticker, but you have to be, you have to be following me on Twitter, uh, at btu underscore larry 
or you have to follow me on Facebook. My name is Larry Dyer, D-Y-E-R, the third. If you follow Larry Dyer, you're going to be following my dad. You'll be very confused. You want to follow Larry Dyer, the third on Facebook, or you need to be a member of the Bears Talk Underground Facebook group, whichever is, uh, you know, works best for you. All right. So you have to be following me in both of those Twitter or Facebook or one of them depends on how many stickers you want to get your hands on. Now on Twitter, you have to send me a screenshot that you are subscribed to the podcast, whether it be on Google play, Spotify, um, iTunes, duh, anywhere else that you are, you know, podcast addict, whatever. Show me that you are a uh, subscriber to the podcast. Send me a screenshot of that with the hashtag btu sticker one word hashtag btu sticker do not forget the hashtag you forget the hashtag no sticker for you so btu sticker hashtag btu sticker one word on twitter send me the screenshot showing me that you are subscribed to the podcast number two on facebook like and share the audio cards that i release not the show announcements But the actual audio cards, those little one minute clips that I show or that I post that, um, you know, have a little clip of the show and kind of preview a teaser. If you will, you want to hear more, listen here, so on and so forth, like and share, not one or the other. You have to do both like and share the audio card. You do both of those. You get two stickers. All right. I'll hit you up on Twitter or Facebook. I'll follow you back on Twitter. DM you. You give me your information. I'll send you your stickers, okay? So that's how this is going down. And how fast the stickers go is up to you. So maybe 25 people get two each or any other the million combinations that 50 stickers can disappear in. There you go. So there you have it. Follow me on Twitter at BTU underscore Larry. Follow me on Facebook, either under my personal account, Larry Dyer, D-Y-E-R, the third, or you're following the Bears Talk Underground Facebook page. You uh, send me the screenshot on Twitter to show me that you are subscribed with the hashtag. Do not forget the hashtag. Hashtag BTU sticker. One word, no underscores or any of that nonsense. Hashtag BTU sticker. And on Facebook, you have to like and share the weekly audio cards that I put out. So the the little one-minute clips that are teasers and, and whatnot, like and share the clip, you qualify for a sticker. So the first... 50 actions so it could be the same person you know winning two stickers the first 50 that can do that you're going to get a sticker so or you'll get two however you get it done so there you have it that is how you can earn those stickers so you are my monkeys dance for me monkeys earn the stickers let's get it on all right so that is going to be the end of the uh, news and notes section of the week 10 preview Now we're going to bring on Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit to help us preview Bears-Lions for week number 10. Week number 10 has our beloved starting a vaunted three-game three gauntlet in, the, in, the, in 11 days. From November 11th to November 22nd, the Bears play three games, two of which are represented by this guy, Jeremy Reisman. Welcome back to the show, man. It's, uh, it's been a while. 
It has, and and I'm gonna you're gonna sound like a familiar face by the end of November. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a little too long. Yeah, you know, it, it was funny. I think we did this last year as well, where it's like, hey, I'm you're one of the last teams I'm talking to somewhere in July before training camp starts, and yet I'm still not gonna talk to you for four months because we don't play you <laughs> until like week eleven. For some reason, the NFL hasn't scheduled an early game. Hasn't I don't, when's the last time the Bears and the Lions played in the first half of the season? It's been a couple of years at least. Yeah, it feels like it. it was probably some Bears game that I didn't enjoy because I I never really enjoy. I like talking to you. I don't like playing the Bears though. It's not <laughs> a fun week for for the team. Well, you know, I was that's what I was talking about last uh, on the last show was that you know, and in, in in when you think about the word rivalry, you, you you think about two teams that are at it with each other. It's ultra competitive. The the you know the outcome is always in doubt kind of thing and that's why i think you and i agree that this matchup the bears and the and the lions is probably the truest rivalry in the nfc north it may not be the most popular one or the, the historical one or whatever you want to call it but it's definitely the one where when these two teams get together you literally can throw the the record books out because it's it's going to gum down down to the wire Unfortunately for us, as in Bear fans, we've lost nine out of the last ten, but every single one of those games has been kind of right down to the wire, one-score exciting football games. Yeah, and and maybe it's just my perception of the of the rivalry, but it seems like it's it's one of the most heated in terms of both like the fan interaction uh-huh. and the players on the field. Like I feel like there's always like something weird going on out of the field, whether it's an injury happening or, you know, I guess it was, it's kind of long back in the history when Stafford was like throwing punches way back in, oh, man. what was that? Like 2012 20, or 2011. I think it was. 20, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He punched DJ Moore and DJ Moore got ejected somehow. <laughs> it's just, it's always such a weird, goofy game. Um, there was the golden Tate touchdown interception thing of a couple right. of years ago. Yeah. And so, yeah, these games are just, they've been classics, but frustrating, I think for both ends. And, and I'm saying this as a lions fan who who's won nine out of the past 10, I still hate this week. <laughs> and you get to see us again in like 10 more days, bro. So it's going to be <laughs> going to be, we're going to be sick of each other. We've had to wait till week 10, uh, to match up, but we'll be done with each other by week 12, and that's crazy. And and you just uh, reminded me of the nightmare as far as I am concerned, as far as, like, my plan on what I'm going to do with that, with these with my shows during that short week is the, we're playing a Sunday night game now, so me doing a show, to, the review show, after the game on Sunday means that I'm going to be recording it after the game is over, like a literal knee-jerk reaction type show just so I can get that one done and get ready to talk to you again, like on Tuesday to get ready for the game that's happening on Thursday. Yeah. The, the schedule makers handed the lines a little bit of a favor there. I don't yeah. know if they slipped them a 20 or whatever, but yeah, moving <laughs> that bears game to, to Sunday night. Well, I get it. Bears Vikings is obviously going to be an exciting game to watch, but man, having, and you were mentioning it before, this isn't a regular Thursday night game that the Lions and, and bears are going to be facing off. And it's Thanksgiving. So it's eight hours earlier than normal. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving games or Thursday night games. So now you have the Bears kind of cut off on Sunday without that extra rest after the game, and now they they have basically no time Thursday morning to prepare. So right. man, it's it's a really short time to turn around in the NFL, and not a lot of teams have to deal with something like that. Yeah, the early the early kickoff is a disadvantage the Lions also have to deal with, but it, you know, so they kind of share that one with the Lions. But the the disadvantage of having had a twelve noon kickoff taken away and now we're not starting till 7 7 30 that's that's a huge you know disparity as for you know in that short a window of time to have seven hours just taken right away from you 
And then on the back end, we lose another eight hours because we're kicking off at 1130 Central Time as opposed to seven, eight o'clock at night uh, for a regular Thursday game. It's, you know, any anybody that's even remotely hurt in that game against Minnesota probably needs to be sat down just so we can have a, a team to field on Thursday against the Lions. Yeah, and you, you brought up the Vikings there. That's not a team that you really want a short rest of week after. No. Um, that's a very tough physical defense, as the Lions learned uh, in a not-so-pleasant fashion last week. But, uh, yeah, I would not want to come off that Vikings game on a short week, but unfortunately that's what the Bears have to do. Yeah, so let's talk about last week. Um, the, the one do we made, have to? Well, you know, just real quick. Oh, okay. Because I only I really have two questions about the game. Uh, number one, Ten sacks, is that uh-huh. – I mean, I know they haven't done that before this year as far as your O-line giving up ten sacks. And I know the Vikings are good on defense, so these things tend to happen. But what happened with those ten sacks? I mean, was the secondary just playing lights out for Minnesota so he didn't ha- Stafford didn't have anywhere to go with the football? Was the pass rush just that good? Was it a combination of things? How did we get to ten sacks this past Sunday? Man, it was a combination of just everything going wrong, really. Uh, I specifically went over those those 10 sacks in, in the All-22 film, and basically you could point to something going wrong on every play, and it was not necessarily the same thing each time. I think some common themes that popped up were Kenny Wiggins, the guy who replaced T.J. Lang for an injury. Oh, um, wow. He was in there about 55% of the time. Um, T.J. Lang missed practice on, on the— Wednesday, so he might not be giving it a go this week. Um, but the tackles were also really bad in this game. Um, Taylor Decker didn't look like himself. Rick Wagner didn't look like himself. I give a lot of credit to the Vikings' defense on there. Obviously, they have a really, really talented front seven there, especially on the edges. But I, I the, there were also a, a fair amount of coverage sacks there. And you can either credit the Vikings' secondary. You could say maybe the Lions were hurting without Golden Tate, not having that extra option, and they could key in on, on those two outside guys and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. But... Um, and you could also put some on Matthew Stafford. He held onto the ball for a little too long. He, he probably could have just gotten rid of some of those balls. The one thing I didn't see, though, um, were open receivers. The one thing I didn't see was Matthew Stafford not going through his progressions and not finding the, the guy that was clearly open. That was not happening last okay. week. Um, it was just basically everything else sure. went wrong. So speaking of Stafford, um, what the hell was he thinking on that pitch play? Because um, it was only a one-score game at the time, and if I'm not mistaken, the Lions – we're kind of moving the football at that point and Stafford breaks the pocket. And instead of hanging on to the football and getting what he could or running out of bounds or sliding, he decides to pitch it off to the running back who can't come down with, I don't know if it was a bad pitch or if he wasn't just, he just wasn't expecting the ball or whatever. But of course he fumbles it. The Vikings pick it up and there's your ball game. It went from being 17, nine midway through the fourth quarter to being 24 to nine and ball game over. Yeah. I- it's it's really uncharacteristic of Matthew Stafford, um, especially as of late, because he's been so good um, protecting the ball. Um, he's always right. kind of had an issue with fumbles, but I, I wouldn't say this is necessarily in that category. Um, but the past two weeks, and and I'm bringing it back to last the previous week against the Seahawks, he's made some really uncharacteristic mistakes, and he he'll be the first to admit it. He was just trying to do too much, and against the Vikings, he looked flustered from the second quarter on. Sure. And I think the pressure got to him where he, he realized I'm not going to have a lot of chances against this Vikings defense. I got to make the most out of every single opportunity. And he knows, you know, he's not a scrambling type. He's not a uh, a Mitchell Trubisky, if you will, where he's going to pick up 30 <laughs> yards on a run. But 
he just he saw Carrion Johnson behind him. He knew that guy was a better runner than him, and so he he pitched it. And it was it was a horrible decision. It wasn't a bad pitch per se, and, right. and Carrion probably should have caught it. But this is just a. a this is just Stafford. I, I feel like he's feeling the pressure not only in the game but of the season because the season is slipping apart at this point. Right. And he feels like he has to do a little too much. And we've seen Stafford in pressure situations before. I mean, he has a reputation of being great under pressure in the fourth quarter. So this is really uncharacteristic of him. And, and I'm kind of surprised to see in these past two weeks. And I don't know if it's that he has a new quarterbacks coach. I don't know if he has a new head coach. I don't know if this is just an anomaly that we should put behind us after these past two weeks. But Really strange play from Stafford in that individual moment, and uh, in the moment in, in a couple uh, poor decisions uh, that really cost him the game against the Seahawks too. He threw a really bad interception in the red zone and um, an unforced fumble. Uh, I think both happened in the fourth quarter when that team was was rallying a comeback that mm. could have made that game interesting, but didn't. Right. And did did you say that he's that he said he was doing too much? Was that one of his post game? Uh, yeah, comments because I'm sure that the press had plenty of questions about what the oh, hell yeah. happened on that play. Yep, it was actually the same exact line he said about the the interception that he threw against the Seahawks was just trying to do too much. I gotta tuck that down and live another play, and he knows it. Um, but of course, it's it's very easy to say that the day after, or just hours after, in the moment is where we need to see him improve. And sure, um, it, it's not really typically a problem for Matthew Stafford, but. Uh, it, it's something to definitely keep an eye on to see if maybe he's uh, he's changed a little bit in terms of his confidence or his faith in, in his team. Um, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, I'm, I'm just hoping those are a couple anomalies that, that he knows better and, and will get fixed up. Yeah, I mean, it, you think about the, the day that he was going through or had gone. Had they got him all ten times by that point? Um, I think we were at about six or seven by then. So oh, not... so we still had a few more to bang in there. Okay. Oh yeah, they 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 snuck in a few in that fourth quarter late. Okay. So I mean, you, you know, you think about they got ten sacks on the day, and he's. I mean, I don't I don't want to say it had anything to do with fear, but it really did seem like he was almost flailing at the moment, like you said, trying to do too much, trying to make something happen, um, where he just should have taken what he was given on that play and lived to fight another down, uh, kind of thing where he just kind of turned, like you said, uncharacteristically just like, here, you take it, you do something with it because I'm about right. to get killed. And not that he's got any fear about being hit, but just like, we got to do something. We're, you know, we're, we're going to struggle. We're struggling against this defense here. You make something happen, you know, kind of thing. And it just, it seemed like, it, it really did seem kind of like a desperate moment from him where you don't really see him do that. Like you said, very uncharacteristic of him to do something like that. Yeah, and I, honestly, I, I would say your your flailing line was kind of appropriate. I, I think I think if the lines are up at that point in the game, he doesn't do that. Right. I think if if the lines are moving the ball early in the first and second quarter of that game, he doesn't do that. So I, I think the pressure is getting him to a little bit, um, especially the literal you know pass rush pressure is getting to him. And um, the thing is, his pass or his <clears throat> sorry his pocket presence has has really actually improved throughout his entire career. But yeah. every now and then, and I it. It happens a lot against the Vikings. He kind of gets the heebie-jeebies a little bit and and loses his loses just kind of his sense of his surroundings, and, and it shows in, in plays like that. Well, I mean, that's odd because he's, what, a 9-, 10-year veteran uh, yeah. at this point. And, and the funny thing is you say that it happens against the Vikings, which I think is kind of uh, you know funny because, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Bears that were responsible for knocking him out of the game 
like the first two, three years of his career, he was having, <laughs> you know, he, he blew out a shoulder against the Bears one, one game, and then the next year it was like an elbow or a knee or something like that. It was always the Bears that he was getting hurt in, not the Vikings that he was getting hurt in. So, I mean, is he just getting banged up more often against the Vikings, or, you know, what, you know, what do you think is happening there? Well, it's a little bit of that. There was a particular game two or three years ago where there was an MLive reporter who who just went down the list of ailments. You know, bloody sock, bruised toenail, scraped elbow, all in one game. And hmm. I don't know if that is still lingering in his mind, but but on the field, this this Vikings team has really always had the lines number. Sure. Um, Matthew Stafford's numbers are, are much worse against the Vikings than any other team. The Lions rarely ever score 20 points ever since, um, you know, Zimmer came in there and, and transformed that defense. Um, and, and I think Stafford senses that he knows he's not in for a good game when, when the Vikings are in town. And um, I, I guess he got a little desperate in that moment. That's yeah. So weird to, to, to see that happen. Uh, to him because um, you know one of my notes that I was when I was writing down thinking about what I want to talk about in my in the segment that I do after the interview which is where I give my take on what I think needs to happen in order for the Bears to win one of my notes was to pressure Stafford in the pocket because yep. Stafford is like Rodgers he's more dangerous when he's rolling out and you you're giving him more time and you know the whole jailbreak you know back backyard playground situation that is why receivers get to do when it's when it's uh when every man for himself Stafford seems to thrive in those situations and here it was one of those moments and he made the absolute worst decision he could make in that moment yeah there, there's no defending what he what he did and and you can say carry on Jonathan should have caught it but even if he catches it in that situation I think they still lose like three yards on the play so it <laughs> just it made no sense whatsoever and, sure. and Matthew Stafford knows that and hopefully it just never happens again right hindsight being 2020 if carry on catches it and he runs it for a first down you know we're probably not even talking about it at the at this probably. moment but you know what happened happened so obviously and and, and because it basically put the game out of reach at that point with the way that the Vikings defense was playing combined with how they were bottling you guys up the 15 point lead might as well have been 150 at that point you know with with only half a quarter left to go so it it really did put the game out of reach uh, for you guys uh, against the Vikings so let's talk about carry on Johnson because he's uh he's a rookie this year right yep okay and here he comes in to the point where Amir Abdullah became expendable he's now a Minnesota Viking ironically uh, uh-huh. claimed by the Vikings earlier today. Tell me about the rookie. Because uh, I know that there was like a little celebration week one against the Jets when you were being murdered by the Jets somehow. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that game went sideways on you hardcore. After after that kid threw his first interception, it was all backwards after that. But on Johnson runs for 100 yards in that game. And, and the, <laughs> the funny thing was the crowd starts celebrating when he breaks 100 yards because it ended like a streak of some kind, right? Yeah, yeah, the Lions had not run for over 100 not an, one individual had not run for 100 yards for the Lions since 2013. Wow. So 5 years back when Reggie Bush was with the team and, and now Kieran's done it twice. He, he did it against the Dolphins. Um had I think 175 I want to say in that game. Um he's he's been a revelation and and a lot of credit goes to the offensive line as well. They they've been playing a lot better but Karen Johnson is, is a legitimate offensive rookie of the year candidate right now. He's averaging 5.7 yards per carry, and he's really given this Lions an offense a dimension when it works. And the problem recently, um, you know, the Lions kind of, it looked like they were making a comeback. They, they made that big win at 
Miami against the Dolphins, where Carrion has that big day. The Lions, as a team, rushed for 249 yards, which is the most they had had since 1999. Wow. Um, but then Seattle comes to town, shuts down the running game. Obviously, the Vikings come down, shut down everything on the offense, and now we're kind of back to square one, and you're wondering whether what we saw in the first five weeks of the season um, was really what the Lions are capable of, and they've had two bad games, or if those were kind of the anomalies we've kind of learned since the Miami defense is not as good as maybe we thought it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line appears to have regressed a little bit, some of it due to injury, some of it maybe just regressing to the mean. Um, but on Johnson himself is is clearly a very good weapon for this team. He he can hit on those home run plays. He's got great vision, more the best vision I've seen um, in, for out of a Lions back in a very, very long time. And he's decisive. He's decisive, and he, he's also not afraid to lower the shoulder. You know, he's a he's a pretty small guy out there. But um, in Dallas, he had a, a touchdown run where he just basically bowled over a linebacker for for an eight yard run, um, and that just kind of shows you the the kind of dynamic back that he is. He he's also a receiving threat. So I really think the Lions kind of hit hit it out of the park with this guy. The question is whether the offensive line can really stand up and, and play at the levels they were kind of in the first month or two of the season, because the last two weeks have been kind of a disaster. Right. And um, the bears are actually pretty good uh, against yeah. the run uh, this yep. year. So it's uh, they've got their work cut out for them. That's for sure. Especially with the game they just had against Buffalo. I mean, that was the, that was the defense that I recognized from the first four weeks of the season where we're basically ragdolling teams up and down the field uh, and everything. They seem to have gotten back to who they were like they, they, you know, just slow out of the gates those first two weeks against new England and Miami. But I mean, granted it was the jets and the bills and you know, those are not very good football teams, but still we beat those teams the way you'd expect a team that's supposed to be good is supposed to beat a team. That's not good like that, you know? And, uh, they um the the only bullet that the Bills had in the chamber as far as their offense was concerned was their running game and the Bears shut that down. So um, you know, they're and they got the turnovers and they scored points. So they're coming into this game with the Lions in the right frame of mind. And Khalil Mack is practicing fully again. So no more Wednesday, Thursday off and limited on Friday and then he's a game time decision. <laughs> he's fully practicing on Wednesday, so that's basically the Bears saying guess who's playing on Sunday kind of thing. So, you know, it was great against Buffalo. Let's see what we can do when, when Khalil Mack is supposed to be 100% uh, on Sunday uh, against the Lions. So they've uh, the offensive line is going to have its work cut out for it on on, uh, on Sunday with, uh, with uh, you know, supposedly healthy Khalil Mack back and a defense that seems to have gotten its, its groove back. I know I keep saying that, but that's, you know, they, 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 they've gotten back to who they are and – our first divisional game since week one is finally here. Yeah, it, it's perfect timing for them. And, and obviously the Lions are coming off a performance where the offensive line is kind of looking themselves in the mirror and, and wondering who they are. Um, Ten sacks is just an unbelievable uh, number to be giving up in one game. It was, it was a Vikings record, and it's not going to get any easier this week, and it's probably not going to get easier the week after that when the Panthers are in town, and then we have to deal with the Bears again. And it's just kind of a gauntlet for this offense to to kind of – keep their head above water and it doesn't help that they just traded away maybe one of their best offensive threats so right it's it's really interesting the next the way the next three weeks are going to play out is going to be really interesting actually the four four weeks because i believe the rams are after the bears after oh wow yeah so um it's it's going to be a tough stretch of games for this team and it's really i I think you could make a pretty solid argument that jim bob cooter the offensive coordinator is fighting for his job in these next four weeks 
What? No more Jim Bob? How, how can we not have the greatest name in coaching history without a coaching position? We can't have that, man. What's going on there? But, you know, you mentioned that real quick, so let's talk about it. Because the, the Lions actually made two trades before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. One where they were the buyers, and then the second one where they sold a pretty big piece of their offense. So, I mean, you kind of got conflicting messages. We're adding, we're adding to the defense, Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison, whatever you want to call him. You know, is one of the you know better interior linemen uh, in the league. You get him, you add him to your defense, and you know, saying one thing, and then saying something completely different when you send Golden Tate off uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, granted, you got a third round pick, which in today's NFL, that's a pretty good return uh, on on your investment. But selling out one of your best pieces and and a guy that's uh, been done nothing but good things for you since signing with you. Um, sends another message in Tyler to be buyers one week and then sellers the next conflicting messages there. No doubt about it. It was, it was very much disorienting as a, as a Lions fan, especially just the Lions are coming off that big win against the Dolphins. Then they get snacks Harrison, who was basically the perfect piece for this defense that had struggled to stop the run. He's been a monster in two, in two weeks. And I know the numbers overall numbers don't really reflect that, but you watch the games. He is a force to be reckoned with. And, and so Lions fans are, are are not just talking about how this team might compete for you know a, divi- a a playoff spot, but potentially for the division after that game. They're three and three. They've they've won two straight. Um, they got snacks now. They're they're heading in the right direction. And then the Seahawks game happens. They lose. And then the Golden Tate ha- trade happens. And and suddenly, you know, we have to talk people down from the roof after that. And right. I I I just I don't like the trade. There are people that do like the trade, and I will admit, like you said, third round for Golden Tate, not a bad trade in terms of value, especially since the Eagles are only essentially getting him for nine games. But I thought this team was still in contention after that Seahawks game. I thought they could bounce back. I've seen a little bit of improvement out of the defense where I thought, okay, the offense is still the strength. Golden Tate is still strength of this offense. They continue to to kind of pound the passing game, win in shootouts or or however – they can still contend on this division, especially because especially at that point, you know, the Vikings were still kind of muttering around. The Bears were kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. This NFC North had not been decided by week eight, and it's it's still not decided at this right. point. Um, so the, the message that Matt Patricia said to the media and that he told the team was that the trade of Golden Tate was not giving up on the season. It was expressing confidence in the people that remain in that locker room. That's a really nice line, but I don't yeah. believe it for a second. It I like really nice, don't. Uh, sounds like a nice way to spin that, right. but I don't even know if there are guys in that locker room that would believe something like that. Yeah, and to to the credit, all the people, all the lines in the locker room, they they said, you know, this is a business. We just have to move on. We got to step our game up. They didn't say anything disparaging towards management or anything like that. Not that they would, but you never know with with some NFL players. Sure. But I, I just I don't believe in the players that remained in that locker room. The, the Lions last week they tried Theo Riddick, the running back in the slot, quite a bit. Didn't quite work out as well. They tried Kenny Galladay, kind of running some of those Golden Tate plays we've come accustomed to seeing to, like little end arounds, gadget plays, little things like that, not working as effectively. Um, TJ Jones is, is a slot guy that we saw kind of take his place a little bit. Only caught two passes in that game and I think had about 20 yards. Now the Lions add Bruce Ellington to the mix. They, they signed him this week. We'll see if he gives it a go in the slot a little bit. Um, he, he had some promising days with, with the Texans, but he's battled through injuries, so I don't know what to expect there. 
Um, but the fact that they added Bruce Ellington tells me that maybe they did not have as much confidence in the the locker room as as they were telling the media. So sure. Um, to me, it, it's a seller move. I, I think maybe maybe behind the scenes they're like, you know what? I don't think this team is good enough this year. Um, I think we got to build for the future. We got to add some defensive pieces. A third round pick is a nice little uh, you know investment. And yeah, I've, I've even heard some people say that they might go after Golden Tate in free agency. I think that's crazy talk, but <laughs> it, it's kind of an interesting thought because if they do get is, Golden yeah. Tate in free agency and they pick up that third round pick, maybe it's not that bad of a move. Right, right. Yeah, you just uh, had to live without him for half a season and then you got him back and probably at a discounted rate because he's in his well, he's got to be in his 30s now, right? Yeah, he just crossed over 30 this year, so he'll yeah. be 31 entering the season next year. Yeah, 30-year receivers don't uh, don't get mega deals or anything like that, not even in today's NFL. Um, but, uh, yeah, so maybe that'll happen. We'll see. Uh, that would be interesting if it did happen that way. I mean, I, I'm, I don't think I've ever seen that happen in the NFL for someone to trade a player. I mean, I've seen it happen a million times in, like, baseball. Right. You know, like when I was a kid, Ricky Henderson right. got traded to the A's only to sign back with the Blue Jays on the next season, the team he got traded from or, or whatever. You know, it's just I've seen that happen a thousand times in, in baseball, but never once in football. That would be a first, at least for me anyway, yeah. to see something like that happen. But uh, that's interesting, you know, because I because I was confused, not not so much that they traded Golden Tate, which was surprising to hear that they went ahead and did that, even for getting a third round pick. But to like like I said before to be buyers and and get a Damon Harrison the week before and then to turn right around and said someone of equal importance on your offense away uh from the team it was it I was you know like so so are we are we are we cashing in on the season now or we we can't you know clack cashing in our chips here and and you're saying okay well 2018 we're going to do our best but you know, especially when they're three and four and the Bears are in first place at four and three. You're only right. a game back and, and you're selling one of your best players, the guys that one of the guys that really makes your offense go. And, you know, without him, the success that you've had the last few years would have been virtually impossible on the offensive side. Now you've got this kid, Carryon Johnson, that's actually running the football well. One of the key things that's been missing from a Lions offense forever. Yeah. Virtually since Barry Sanders retired, you haven't been able to run the ball. And now we've got this kid who's having a solid rookie year, like you said. Uh, definitely offensive rookie of the year contender for sure. And we're going to send one of our best offensive pieces away, um, you know, and get a third-round pick for him. Uh, it, it just made me scratch my head. I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what, what Detroit's doing here with, uh, with that. Yeah, the, the, the one thing it did make me do is kind of reevaluate the snacks trade. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the one difference there is that he signed for another two years after this year. Sure. So in a way, it, it's also a long term move. Um, and I know two years in the NFL isn't necessarily considered long term, but when you're an NFL coach, you never know. You never know yeah. how long you're going to last. So two years kind of does sound like a long time. And he, I think the Lions just pounced on an opportunity. The Jets were in, or, I'm sorry, the Giants were in fire sale mode. They ended up getting one of the best defensive linemen, I think. Not not just defensive end, not just defensive tackles. I think one of the best defensive linemen in the league for a fifth round pick. That's a fantastic deal for them. Yeah. And he fits this Patricia's defense perfectly. I mean, you think of the 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 Patriots defenses of the past. You think of Vince Wilfork. You know that big, huge nose tackle guy. And and Sacks is everything. He he's he's everything that Vince Wilfork is. And and the Lions didn't have anyone like that. At, at this point, Snacks is. I think 30 pounds heavier than anyone else on the team. So he's really <laughs> unique in that sense that he's he's that big guy in the middle and he does his job well. I, I 
I'm surprised at how much he's met my personal expectations uh, just in the first two weeks he was with the team. And, you know, he's also kind of learning a new system. So yeah. that, that's really impressive to me. And and he gives me a little bit of hope for this Lions defensive line that I kind of came into with a lot of questions. You know, Ziggy Ansah is a guy that probably isn't going to be around next year. Um, but the Lions have had a guy, uh, their, their fourth-round pick, Deshaun Hand, has really looked good so far this year. Um, Ashawn Robinson has taken a step back, a step up, I should say, especially after Snacks was around. So there, there's a little bit of hope on this defensive line now and going forward because I think a lot of people, kind of myself included, think this, this year is probably uh, a lost cause at this point. I know they're only two games out of first place, but um, with the way the, the offense is trending right now, I, I just don't see how they keep their head above water. So Snacks was kind of a move for the future, even though at the time it looked like it was a definitely a, a buyer's move, uh, an aggressive one for this year. I think in retrospect, it, it makes sense as a long-term move as well. Sure, sure. So let's talk about your new head coach, because um, didn't get off to the greatest start, um, a 48-17 to loss at home to the Jets on Monday Night Football, national TV, uh, no less. Um, you lost again week two, correct? Yep. And then, but to the 49ers. But you come back Sunday night football with the whole world watching. You bring the Patriots into town and then take them to the woodshed for four quarters. So it's, you know, you lose to the Jets, but you beat the Patriots. That's that's not supposed. To, that's not the way it's supposed to go, you know. But the, you know, <laughs> they, they rattle off a couple of wins. They're, you know, they they they've got more wins than losses, and then, you know, they've they've kind of trailed off these last few weeks. How is the first year head coach handling all this? Well, uh, okay, I guess it would be the way to put it. Um, he, he's, he's, he's a very mild-mannered guy on the field, which I think kind of butts head with, with some of the perception of him when he was a defensive coordinator. No real blow-ups on the sideline or anything like, like that, but he's he's had a couple weird interactions with the media that you may have heard about. Yeah, um, <laughs> apparently if I should be sitting up straight when I'm asking you these questions. So uh, hold on a second while I adjust myself in my chair. Uh, I just want to make sure that I've got the proper <laughs> posture to be speaking to someone connected to the Lions. So, yeah, I did hear about that. I thought that was that was odd. It, it sounds like somebody who's just overall looking for something to be angry about. Yeah, and, and I, he's he's had a weird interaction with both the, the reporter in question in this scenario in which I think they both kind of have a, a weird hate relationship with each other. <laughs> Um, but things also kind of got off to a rocky start in Detroit because of the sexual assault allegations that came out right, um, right. from from 15, 20 years ago. Um, obviously, when that happened, he came out very strong against the media and called, you know, did the whole fake news thing. And so um, kind of a rough start from the get go there in terms of his media relations things. As, as far as it retains to football, um, it's hard to tell in terms of like losing the locker room, all that sort of stuff. There were a little bit of rumors there because, yeah, there was, um, you know, he, he kind of brings hard edged Patriots. You know, these are the rules. You got to follow them. Some people thought maybe, um, or there were rumors out there that some of the veterans took a while to, to get adjusted to those rules. I think that sort of stuff is just kind of typical with the, within change in management, you know, any job when you get a new boss, it's, it's going to take a while for you to get to used to some new rules. So I don't get a sense talking to the players every day that they've lost faith in him, but at the same time, the team's three and five and he talks, he talked all year about the team looking like they're getting better every month. And right now it doesn't look like they're getting better. So, um, I, I think Bob Quinn, you know, he has Patriots background as well. They know each other. Well, I think they're going to give each other time to, to, to develop this whole thing and, and get things worked out and and 
you know, build a, a franchise that's not only, you know, good in one season, but has the consistency of a Patriots-like dynasty. Um, so it, it, it's going to be a long process. I don't think he's in danger of, of losing his job. I don't think he's on the hot seat. Um, but there better be, like, market improvement in 2019. Otherwise, um, I think fans are going to start to get pretty upset because you might beat the Patriots. You might beat the Packers in one season. That'll buy you some goodwill for a little bit, but uh, only for so long because – Lions fans have been waiting for 70 years for a championship, so um, <laughs> we don't have a lot of patience left in us, I don't think. Yeah, still one of, uh, what, three teams, maybe four, that hasn't made a Super Bowl yet. Yep. You know, the, champion, is... the championship banners that you have are from the 50s, so yes. it's been a very long time since uh, we've hoisted a trophy of any kind uh, in Detroit. So even, even a Hallis trophy, which means you're going to the Super Bowl, you've only been to, what, one or two NFC championship games? Uh, one week. Yeah, the Lions won one playoff game. Yeah, against. Uh, I, I didn't even see. You just mentioned that trophy. I didn't even know it existed. That's what it's like to be a Lions fan. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. Not that the Bears have had. I mean, we've been to two Super Bowls. We're still second in the NFL as far as championships, but we've only won one Super Bowl in the fifty-two year history of the game. So we've only played in two of them. So. A sort, so to speak, storied franchise needs to be. It needs to appear in that game a little bit more often to kind of live up to the to the grandeur of the of the franchise. But what are you going to do? It's I'll pull uh, out my uh, my mini violin for you. Yes, yeah, you know, but it's it's a tortured tortured <laughs> existence we both live being uh, being fans of of these these long long in the tooth franchises that have been around forever but don't have a lot to show for it as far as their trophy case. Uh, is concerned. I mean, the only thing the Bears lead the NFL in in history is Hall of Famers somehow. And, um, you know, that's great, but it doesn't bring trophies back home. It doesn't give us parades in, in uh, you know, down Michigan Avenue or anything like that. So it's, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But yeah. um, so, I mean, it's it's been interesting, you know, watching watching the Lions from a distance. You know, they have been a team that I've, that I've had trouble f- trying to figure out. You know, you, you lose to the Jets, but you beat the Patriots. Uh, you beat the Packers, and, you know, you beat Miami a week after we struggled our asses off against Miami. Yeah. You take them to the woodshed. I mean, you run the football down their throats, and you beat them in a way that we just couldn't quite figure out the week before uh, and everything like that. The heat didn't seem to bother you the way that it was bearing down on, on the Bears the week before. Right. I think it was those goddamn orange jerseys we were wearing, but that's just me. <laughs> You know, I got people on this show, they love to tease me about it, but show me the win-loss record when we're wearing those goddamn jerseys, <laughs> okay? Not to mention that they're an absolute eyesore. I just just hate those damn jerseys every every time they wear And we're wearing them again at some point throughout the year. Like, we're, we get to see them one more time before, uh, before the year is out. Thank you so much, Akeem Hicks, for saying <laughs> that you wanted to wear orange. He actually wanted orange head to toe. Oh, he wanted tops and bottoms no. to be orange. So no, no, no. I would no. gouge my eyes out before I ever watch the Bears in full-on orange from head to toe. That is not going to happen. So, If it makes you feel better, I hate the orange jerseys too. Okay. But I also hate every other Bears jersey just because of Bears jerseys. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, but you get to see us <laughs> twice in a very short period of time, and then you don't have to see us again for the rest of the year. So That's true. So there you go. But uh, <laughs> but like I said, this, this has been a team that I've had trouble figuring out because it seems to kind of go against with what you're supposed to be doing you beat the jets lose to the patriots maybe you beat the you know you lose to the to the packers but you beat the seahawks you know that kind of thing it just seems like you guys are doing 
the opposite. Like your your record is the opposite of what it should be because you're winning the games you should lose and losing the games you should win. Yeah, it's it's just just like the the trade from from week to week. It it doesn't seem to make sense. Sure. And it's funny we we pull our our fans every week of what they think the outcome is going to be. And prior to to last week against the Vikings, which in which I think Lions fans had already lost hope, so that they got that one right. But prior to that game, they were one in six at picking Lions games. Wow, one in six. I was two and five, and I followed the team every step of the way, and I try to be as objective as possible. Um, this hard, this team was just really, really hard to pin down. I think we're starting to finally see who they are, um, mm-hmm. especially defensively. We know this is a team that really struggles to defend the pass. They're getting a little bit better at defending the run. Um, offensively, I think everyone's just lost hope at this point, especially after the Golden Tate trade. Um, this team was supposed to be more balanced. This team was supposed to be one of the best five in, in, in the league, especially after all the, the changes they made on the offensive line, um, investments into the running game. Um, all of the, you know, I, I, Marvin Jones Jr., Kenny Galladay, and Golden Tate was a pretty good trio of receivers that I don't think a lot of teams in this league can match. Sure. But now all that's gone, and all the optimism has kind of been sucked out of the room, and maybe that means a, a big upset is in, on the horizon based on how the season has gone. But um, I kind of have a little more confidence in that, in what I know about the team and and who they truly are, and uh, it, it's not good for news for Lions fans, unfortunately. So what has that been like for you? Because you 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 know prior every conversation that we had prior to this one. You were in California living on the West Coast. Now you've moved back to the Midwest. You're covering the team on a day-to-day basis, you know, so you have, you obviously have a more intimate relationship with the team than you've ever had before, you know, so what kind of insight is that, is that giving you as far as, you know, how are you able to be remain objective when you're getting to know these guys face-to-face? It's, it's, it's definitely a little bit tougher. And the one thing I've, I've noticed is just how quickly a face can disappear. Um, yeah. A guy that you see there in the locker room every day and a guy like Golden Tate, who's willing to talk for the whole 45 minute sessions that we get with the players gone the next day. And you just I'm never going to see that guy again in the same intimate fashion that I'd been seeing him every day. Right. Amir Abdul is another guy. He didn't talk with the media that much at, at this point in his career because he's just, you know, sad to say he's not as relevant as some of the other guys in that room. But now he's gone. Uh, it, and it's just kind of shocking to to be able to see that and have someone. It, it's just kind of like a coworker disappearing, and sure. and it's a weird feeling because some of these guys are really nice, really personal, and I'm, I'm obviously I'm already rooting for the team, and and now you know I'm kind of growing to to root for individuals um, on on the team, and it it's just it's hard. It, it's definitely hard to remain objective, especially as a fan in general, but. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a very stats based guy. And so I, I think I'm able to kind of tell things how it is, kind of put the emotions aside and look at the, the physical results. And I'm, I'm usually painted as kind of one of the more pessimistic guys in the league, but every now and then I'll, I'll have people saying I'm way too optimistic. And so if I'm getting it from both sides, I think that usually means that I'm just doing something right, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a cautiously optimistic kind of guy you know like I, I think it's shaping up very well that the Bears are finally going to be able to 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 add a to add one to that one in nine record we've had over the last five years uh, <laughs> against you guys with the the way that you guys have been playing the last couple of weeks the way you struggled last week against Minnesota combined with how the defense played against Buffalo last week and we're getting a, a healthy Khalil Mack back on top of that we're at home right. 
all that kind of stuff. I think it's sizing up very well. Am I going to come up and pound the table like, God damn it, we are winning on Sunday and we're going to make it look easy? No, because it's Bears-Lions and these games never go the way you think they're going to. You know, you think the Bears are going to come out and rack them for 30 points and just blow them off the field. And then in the fourth quarter with three minutes to go, we're up by a field goal in Minnesota, you know, and, and Stafford's got the ball and he's moving it down the field. So, I mean, that's never how those games go. So you can never come out and say ah, 48 to 10, Bears, no problem, no sweats. That's how good we're playing right now. That's how lousy the Lions look. They just gave away Golden Tate. What the hell were they thinking? Bears win, no problem. Eh. Do I think we can win? Yes. Will we win? I believe we will. Yes, I do believe that. <laughs> Would I put money on it? No freaking way, man. No <laughs> way. And first of all, I have a weird superstition about betting on my team. I just have a weird superstition. It never works out. You know, I, no matter how confident it is or how it's supposed to look, betting on your team, I think, is bad luck. Is that, I'm, that's one of my, one, my one superstition. I, for years, I work with Packer fans. Every Packer Bear game, they want to bet me something. No, thank you. No. <laughs> Do I think the Bears are going to win on Sunday? Absolutely. We'll put your money where your mouth is. No, thanks. I don't think so. Because if I bet on the Bears, then they definitely are going to lose. So forget about it. So, <laughs> you know, that's just my superstition when it comes to betting. But, you know, figuratively, would I bet on the Bears winning this game on Sunday? No, just because. It's Bears-Lions. It's divisional game. You know, it's um, – it, it, and like I said – and you and I were talking you know, earlier saying that this is the truest rivalry in the division where the, 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 the game is always in doubt right up until the very end. And, you know, you can never really bank on who's going to win. It's just worked out for you guys more than it has for us over the last few years. But any one of those games could have gone Chicago's way, and that's why Bears-Lions is not a smart bet for anybody. Yeah. I, I wish I felt as uh, about the outcome as you, but I – I don't know. I don't. I don't see this Lions team being competitive this week. I see it playing out a lot like it did last week against the Vikings. Obviously, the series history, but it's also worth pointing out that this team has the best record against NFC North over the. I think it's the past four or five years than any other in the NFC North. No team is better against this division over the past four or five years than the Lions, and they've never won the division. Go figure. But I. I mean, if I'm just looking, I. I, I want to put the history behind us because. Those are different teams. The, the the Bears and the and the Lions have a different head coach. Like that's a big difference, um, where you can kind of throw the history out and see all these advantages pointing in the Bears' favor. Um, the the one thing that the Lions can do kind of well is run the ball. So it just so happens to line against defensive strength. And amongst the the fans here that that have lost a lot of confidence in this off uh, threat with Matthew Stafford not having all the weapons that he should have. And defensively, I just don't think the team is getting good quick enough. I think they are getting better. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is necessarily the kind of threat should um, make defenses quiver, but the Lions have not been very good at, the stop, at stopping a pass. I mean, just about every quarterback has hit 100 passer rating, except for uh, oddly Tom Brady, which is go figure. I, I can't figure that one out. And I don't know. I, I, I would love to scheme up a way in which the Lions win this game, but I can't do it. Other than just dumb luck, and granted, dumb luck has happened before with Lions team. I just, I just, I'm not banking on it this week. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at right now, as far as you know, why won't I? Why wouldn't I just come out and say that that the Bears will win the game on Sunday? And like I said before, because it is Bears Lions, and these things, 
you know, they, they always end up being too close and, and record rarely has anything to do with how these games are supposed to turn out. And, but I feel like you do with the way that it's shaping up, the way that the bears are, have played the last two weeks, the way the lions have played the last two weeks, that it's definitely tipping in the bears favor uh, as far as who should win on Sunday. And the reason that the bears wouldn't win would be them doing something to give Detroit an advantage, whether, you know, Trubisky tries to force it in when he shouldn't and then get an interception, or if we turn the football over, or if we have a day on defense, like as, as awesome as the defense was last week, we must have had seven or eight defensive penalties last week. And, and some of them turned out to be mm. bogus, especially on that one Buffalo Bills touchdown drive I won't get into right now because I've ranted on it in the last episode. But, you know, it just seemed like, the, the, you know, we had a lot of defensive penalties last week that went against us. We can't make mistakes that are going to give the, Vic- or excuse me, the Lions hope in this game that will, you know, what, what should have been a three and out has been extended because of a holding penalty or pass interference or roughing the passer or something like that. And instead of them punting us the football, they've got the football, the chains are moving, and now they're down the field and they got a fresh set of downs. So here we go. The momentum has shifted just like that with, with a silly penalty. That's what I think is going to keep the Bears from winning the game on Sunday or why you would be able to say that's where it, went, that's where it all went wrong. Yeah, I mean, with especially penalty stuff, as much as uh, I certainly lie and influence a game, and uh, I think every fan base really knows that, whether whether they have a storied history of, of bad calls against them or not. But, uh, I mean, the, it's interesting you bring up kind of the, the defensive penalties. The Lions have had a fair share of, of defensive penalties in the secondary, but I think the reason for that is just because the Lions can't rush the passer, and also you can't rough the passer if you can't rush the passer. Sure, sure, yeah. I just I, yeah I, I don't I don't know how else to kind of frame this matchup here um, in the Lions' favor. I guess I guess the one thing that the X factor that could be this game is Ezekiel Ansah. He made his return last week, but they kind of had him in a situational passing role, pass rushing role. Mm-hmm. I think he only played about twelve snaps. Um, if he comes a full time player on the defensive line, suddenly that becomes kind of a strength, and I'm, I'm interested to see if he's ready for it. He said. You know, he feels amazing. He's ready to go. I do think he can make the defense a lot better. Um, not to a point where they're a top half defense in the league, but now they're about 30th. And I would love to see them up there like 20. If they can get him to that level, maybe the line still has a chance in 2018, but um, we're going to see something out of him right now. They, they, this is the third divisional year. It's the first of, you know, a, a gauntlet of four games where they have to probably win at least three um, they can't hesitate anymore. They they need to get going right now, and it has to be. so. Maybe the desperation also helps the Lions because they're probably a little bit more desperate team than the Bears right now. Obviously, the Bears have a lot of motivation holding on to first place, but sure. um, this team, this Lions team, is on the brink of of losing their season if they haven't already. Well, all right then. So that's there you go. That's the the glass half empty evaluation from uh, two tortured <laughs> fan bases. Uh, about this game on Sunday uh, between the Bears and the Lions. And, uh, Jeremy, we'll have you back on very shortly, you know, because we, we have that Thursday uh, Thanksgiving day, uh, day game to uh, get ready for. So when we, we haven't spoken for four months, but we're talking again in like four days. So uh, good luck on Sunday. Hopefully everybody comes out healthy and uh, we finally get that W that's been so elusive to us over the last few years. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be – raring to go when we meet again on thanksgiving day 
yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll still have something to talk about after, after yeah. this game. All right, Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit, and the the aptly named POD cast. Um, <laughs> I still think that's the most genius and yet the stupidest nickname for a podcast. I, it's like, oh, that's genius. Wait a minute. No, it's not. All at the same time. The POD cast, you can hear Jeremy and, and company. Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for coming back on, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for having me, man. Always enjoy being here. Remember, guys, Bears25 is the promo code on MyBookie to take advantage of up to $1,000 in free play. And if you make that deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, you get an additional $25 in free play. So you don't want to miss out on that. There is sports galore going on all over the place. You got college basketball, college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, and a partridge in a pear tree. You don't want to miss it at my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. And now, let's close this thing out, y'all. It's it's coming down to the nitty gritty, and, and, and you know we've got some matchups that we want to keep our eye on this Sunday, and you know the very important ones that we do want to watch. We want to watch that interior line, Eric Cush, Cody Whitehair, um, James Daniels, the rookie especially, matched up with that Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison. We talked about him quite a bit. He was a product of one of the trades uh, that uh, Jeremy and I talked about uh, for the Lions, the one where they brought in one of the better interior linemen, if not the best interior linemen in football, to add him to the football team before trading away one of their top offensive pieces in Golden Tate. It still makes me scratch my head when I think about it, but... You know, that's the ma- that's a matchup we want to watch. You know, how's the rookie going to handle one of the league's best? Can Eric Cush and that that neck injury handle? You know, what the the one of the biggest, strongest defensive linemen uh, in pro football? How will it affect our running game? Will we be able to get Jordan Howard down? You know, getting him running downhill uh, against this uh, Lion team. He's had a lot of success. Uh, against the Lions thus far in his uh, in his career, hoping to see some more of that on Sunday, take some of the pressure off of Mitch, open up that uh, um, that play action passing uh, game, which will be huge with Allen Robinson coming back, Taylor Gabriel uh, practicing at full participation, and 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 what have you. And hell, I f- I forgot to mention Adam Shaheen is practicing. He's not on the injury list because he hasn't been activated yet, but he's fra- he's practicing now, so he could be joining the team. Uh, very shortly, adding yet another target uh, to the uh, Chicago Bear passing attack. And, you know, stopping uh, Snacks Harrison is going to be vital in getting the ground game going and 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 getting the rest of the offense going uh, as well. I mean, we know Matt Nagy being a disciple of Andy Reid, he's going to throw the damn football regardless of how the running game is going, but it can only be that much easier. I mean, think back to that Tampa Bay game. How easy was it to throw the football when he had all day to throw, the running game was going, so we had play action working and so on. It was, it was a much easier day for Mitch. He stood back there. He didn't have to worry about the pressure coming, was stepping into his throws. He was, he was dead on accurate in that football game, so it was very nice uh, uh, to see. Some of the uh, – one other matchup. Let me see. What did I write down here? Yeah, the interior line versus snacks. Uh, the offensive tackles of the Lions – Versus Khalil Mack, 
You know, both of them banged up right now. Ricky Wagner banged up. Tyler Decker, uh, Taylor Decker, excuse me, uh, both banged up right now. Neither was on the injury list, but they're nursing injuries, according to uh, Jeremy. And they're also not playing well, coming off one of their, well, their worst performance of the year. They gave up 10 sacks to the Vikings a week ago. Those guys matched up. Whichever side we line Khalil Mack up on, the right or the left side, generally it's been on the right side, but... Obviously, I had a big problem with the Bears lining him up on the left against the uh, Patriots a couple of weeks ago, but we won't bring that up anymore. But whoever he's matched up against, how is he looking? That's a matchup we want to keep our eye on. Is he, is he healthy? Is he the machine, the beast that he was those first four weeks of the season where he got a strip sack in every single game in the first quarter of the year? I mean, that's the guy that we want to see back out on the field. You know, we don't want him out there just for the sake of him being out there. We want Khalil Mack, the, you know, the, an MVP contender in the first four weeks of the season. That's what we want to see out there. So that's another matchup for the Bears to watch or for Bear fans to watch. And then finally, the Bears offensive tackles versus Ziggy Ansah. You know, you heard Jeremy mention uh, briefly at the end there about Ansa saying he's feeling better than he's felt in a while. He is nursing that shoulder injury, and that's what's been keeping him out. But... He will be playing on Sunday. He'll be a little bit stronger than he was the week before, playing a little bit more. He only played in situational uh, uh, pass down, you know, passing downs against the Vikings, only about 12 snaps. He'll probably play a lot more than that against the Bears this Sunday. How will our offensive tackles, who are not the best set of tackles in the league, let's be honest, how will those guys handle what Ziggy Ansah is bringing to the table on Sunday? So, the running game with the interior against Snacks Harrison. The passing game with the uh, the tackles against Ziggy Ansah. Basically, we want to keep our eyes on the trenches uh, on Sunday. I feel like the rest will take care uh, of itself. So, you know, and on the defensive side, obviously we want to get Khalil Mack going. And at the very least, we want the presence of Khalil Mack to have the effect that it has had on the rest of the defense. You know, Khalil, like, let's go back to that performance that we had against the Seahawks. It's one of my favorite examples of the impact that Khalil Mack had. We got Russell Wilson, one of the best and most elusive quarterbacks in the pocket in the league, six times in one game. And how many sacks did Khalil Mack have that night? One. He was responsible for one, but the terror that he was causing on the field allowed Eddie Goldman to get a sack. It allowed Danny Trevathan to be defensive player of the week because he got two sacks in that game the pass rush that we were generating in that football game forced russell wilson to make a very bad mental error throw a pick six to prince of mukamura that put the game out of reach uh, for the bears uh, in that football game that's the kind of havoc that we want to see and it's going to be very important against matt stafford you heard me mention with uh, when talking to jeremy how stafford is very much like aaron Rodgers in the fact that if you pressure him you want to keep him in the pocket Okay, this is one of the more resilient quarterbacks when he's out in the open field running, you know, and his his uh, his receivers are in that jailbreak mode. He can make things happen. He's got a fantastic arm and, uh, you know, but hopefully he'll be in that uh, trying to do too much mind frame and, and make a throw across his body and across the field into the waiting arms of Roquan Smith or anybody else who wants to get their hands on them. How about Eddie Jackson? Because we know he's going to take it back for a touchdown if he gets his hands on it. That's the kind of pressure that we want to see from our defense, but we want to keep it controlled. Maintain your lanes. Keep Stafford in the pocket. You know, you condense it on top of him, just like we did to Russell Wilson. 
You know, Russell Wilson wasn't getting outside of the pocket and making things happen, uh, you know, when, when the play was, was broken up or, or anything like that. The Bears were keeping him in the pocket. You know, our nose tackle was getting sacks. Roy Robertson Harris had a sack in that game. Aaron Lynch had a sack in that game. Everybody was eating that day. And if we want to eat Matt Stafford, we got to keep him inside the pocket. We're not going to catch him if he gets outside those tackles. So Leonard Floyd, that little spin move to the outside, none of that this week, my friend. None of that. Khalil Mack, he's a beast, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. Leonard Floyd still looking for that first sack of the year. No spinning to the inside, which opens up the outside for the quarterback. None of that this week, sir. You want to stay to the outside, force him to stay in, and let all of your defensive help come and get him. You know, I'd be a happy guy to be truthful with you. I'd be the happiest guy in the world if our leading sacker was Bilal Nichols or Eddie Goldman or, hell, Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan because that means that the pocket was collapsing on Stafford and he had to try to either go upfield or he had to give in to the pressure that was coming at his face because he had nowhere to go. He had nowhere to go. That's the stat that I would love to be able to uh, repeat back to you guys on Monday when we uh, do the review show. So that's pretty much what I have. On offense, it's simple. You know, for the most part, we want to keep doing what we're doing. And Mitch needs to be Tampa Bay Mitch, you know, making good decisions, making the pinpoint throws. You know, stick to your fundamentals, step into your throws, see what you're throwing at. You know, just, you know, that that's what you got to do, man. That's what you got to do. And um, I think that we'll be fine if we do those things. But I think if we shut down Stafford uh, and company on the offensive side, keep on Johnson or whoever's running the football for them, if it is on Johnson, keep them in check. I think it'll be a very happy afternoon and we'll finally snap that streak against the Detroit Lions. So. That will do it for the Week 10 preview of the Bears Talk Underground. Remember, folks, follow me on Twitter at BTU underscore Larry. Follow me on Facebook, uh, Larry Dyer, D-Y-E-R, the third. Don't follow my dad. Follow me, Larry the third, on Facebook or join the Bears Talk Underground Facebook group. Like and share the audio clips or uh, show me that you are subscribed to the podcast using the hashtag do not forget the hashtag btu sticker one word btu sticker do that i'll hit you up to get your information so i can send you your official bears talk underground stickers so the first 50 actions whether it's two people getting you know 25 people getting two stickers each or whatever combination you can dream up the first 50 actions that complete those tasks they're the ones that get stickers. So there you have it. So get to work. You know, make me famous. That's what we're out to do right now, okay? Spread the word of the Bears Talk Underground. Like and share on Facebook. Show me that you're subscribed to the podcast on Twitter with the hashtag BTU sticker. So there you go. That's going to do it for the Week 10 preview, guys. Come back on Monday when we'll talk about hopefully what will be our third straight victory Monday with a 6-3 and three record. Heading into a big showdown on Sunday Night Football with the Vikings. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.